everyone. Welcome to the Mere Disciple podcast. This is Pastor Jeff Strong broadcasting from a beautiful, actually, sunny day in Nelson, British Columbia, which has been rare lately. So that's nice to be able to soak up a little bit of vitamin D today. Uh, this podcast is going to be continuing the series, The Politics of Jesus, where I'm doing a bit of a quick overview with some light analysis of each of the federal parties and their platforms from a, a faith-based perspective. Obviously, it's uh, my own Christian perspective, and so I certainly don't speak for every Christian, but I'm trying to bring my own uh, sensibilities and sensitivities uh, to the table and trying to look at the party platforms, evaluating its strengths and weaknesses, or their strengths and weaknesses, um, with specific reference to uh, biblical values, things that are gonna resonate with someone like myself, also weaknesses that are going to cause hesitancy in support of the party. So I started with the People's Party of Canada, was going to look at the Conservatives next, but they don't even have their uh, well-organized platform. They don't have their platform on their website in any kind of a way that is able to be uh, analyzed. So that's a huge epic fail on this on their part uh, at this point in the campaign, I would argue. So we're going to go right over to the Green Party. So maybe if you uh, think about the traditional political spectrum of right to left, we started with maybe the most right with the People's Party of Canada, at least from an economic uh, standpoint. And we're going all the way to the other side with the Green Party of Canada. So here's a kind of a flyover of the Green Party, which obviously traditionally has been the a party that has been all in on environmental issues, but has slowly been trying to transform itself to um, be understood as you know more than a party, a party that's more concerned about just the environment. They're really looking at trying to revision society around uh, principles of environmental environmental stewardship, and so their policy platform is really quite. Uh, expansive and robust. So here we go. The first thing out of the gate, let's name the elephant in the room. Uh, they want to tackle the climate emergency head on. So they see them. They see us as being in a climate emergency. They see a radical and significant and far-reaching action at a governmental level as being necessary uh, and 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 urgent. And so their party is committing to cut 60% of carbon emissions by 2030. They also want to prioritize working with indigenous leadership and other parties to solve the climate crisis. They want to cancel the Trans Mountain Pipeline. They want to provide huge incentives for electric vehicles and basically transition us off of fossil fuels as quickly as possible, depending on the industry or the particular... Um, kind of conduit of those fossil fuels, even as early as a decade from now. Another one of their policy platforms is to pursue full reconciliation with indigenous peoples. And their vision is to create a new relationship with indigenous peoples in Canada, which is gonna be highlighted through some of the following uh, goals. To honor treaties and respect the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People, they want to make Indigenous nations equal partners in setting national policy priorities. And they want to fully implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and the murdered 
and the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls Report. Uh, to uh, kind of coming back to the environment, another platform that they have is a rapid transition to what they're calling a green economy. And part of their platform promise there is to a fairly transition fossil fuel workers to the renewable energy sector, implement a guaranteed livable income for all Canadians. They want to eliminate student fees and forgive existing federal student debt. And they want to close tax havens and loopholes and eliminate fossil fuel subsidies and raise taxes on large corporations. The next platform pillar is invoking what they say, what they call ecological wisdom. So they want to restore, they want to, sorry, fully restore the Canadian Environmental Assessment Act. They want to pass stringent regulations on pesticides and other chemicals being used within Canada. They want to develop a national safe drinking water strategy, ban all single use plastics by 2022, and protect a minimum of 30% of waters and land by 2030. They want to renew the social contract as their next pillar, a green government they promise will enact pharmacare for all by 2020. So that would be covering of all pharmaceutical drugs for all Canadians. Expand access to safe abortion services throughout Canada. Implement improved healthcare systems for indigenous people. Establish a new national mental health strategy and declare a national health emergency to address the opioid crisis. They then talk about advancing the just society and their heading is that a just society cannot exist without equity. And so their green government proposes to develop a plan of action to end violence against women and gender diverse people, peoples, implement all recommendations of the missing and murdered indigenous women and girls report. They want to make sex work industry legal. They want to ban and condemn the practice of conversion therapy. They want to ensure access to gender-affirming health care. They want to ensure funding for the protection of Indigenous languages at risk. Under the heading of good governance, they want to eliminate the first-past-the-post electoral system, which the current Liberal government promised to do and hasn't done. Um, they also want to, the Greens also propose to lower the voting age to 16 and they want to give indigenous, federal, provincial, and municipal governments an equal seat at the policy-making table. And then lastly, under the heading of international relations and defense, a green government will commit to provide overseas development assistance where it is needed. It's going to increase Canada's contribution to the Green Climate Fund and Global Environment Facility. It's going to review federal policy to align with the UN Sustainable Development Goals. It's going to enact measures to be able to more rapidly deploy the military to protect communities from extreme weather events. And it wants to cancel contracts providing armored vehicles to Saudi Arabia. Okay, that's a real high flyover. And as you can see, there are two big... Um, at least to me, ideological foundations to the Green Party's aspirations. And that is one, obviously, the environment addressing 
what they see as a climate crisis and the climate emergency. And then second to that, using uh, that priority as a way to advance uh, progressive ideals and um, moving towards a more socially, a more just society through the advancement of social justice. They talk about that specifically on their site as a, a really important pillar, ideological pillar of their party. So what would be the strengths? Why would a person of faith, um, a committed Christian, be drawn to vote for the Greens? Well, on an emotional level, it's a very, very ambitious platform. It's very visionary. It's sweeping. Its language is... Everything skews to be very, very positive. And so it's... Uh, ver- Despite its focus on, let's say, the climate crisis, it's actually pretty optimistic and visionary. It provides a very, very big vision that I think young people are looking for and where we don't have a lot of institutions or leaders in our society providing a large, compelling vision that unifies people together. I think the Green Party does a really good job in terms of branding on their website and through some of their PR stuff to say, this is the agenda that you've been looking for. This is the purpose. This is the grand narrative that you can give yourself to. And it's rooted in these big themes of um, environmental stewardship and reconciliation and social justice. And at first pass, many people are going to say, those are important to me. I want to be a part of creating a better world. And I see those things as being intrinsically linked to moving into a better world. And so uh, on an emotional level, I think you could certainly make the argument. It's a very, very exciting platform. It's very comprehensive. If you compare it to the People's Party of Canada, which tends to be a bit more narrow, um, not in terms of the effects of their platform, not being far reaching, but in terms of what the PPC has chosen to focus on, the Greens are kind of focusing on everything. They, they have a huge vision to comprehensively either amend or in many cases reform and overturn existing structures and institutions and priorities to better align with um, environmental activism and social justice. So I think that vision for, again, these big themes of the need to steward our environment and to um, make sure that we're living in a way that is sustainable, reconciliation with indigenous peoples, a big vision around that, and a real desire to enact and move forward in creating, they say, the just society. It's interesting language they don't say a just society but the the just society i think there's a part of that that's admirable uh it's noble it's i think it's going to attract a lot of young people who especially through that sort of 14 to 25 age range are especially kind of wired to want larger meaning and purpose and i think the green party opens that up for them They're more than willing to upset the status quo apple cart to facilitate the common good. And I think another thing that is particularly important for Christians is that the Green Party in their economic platform really forwards a compelling vision for understanding the health of a society beyond 
mere economic growth indicators, right? Often we, the shorthand for how are we doing as a society comes down to, well, the economy is doing really well or, or there's low unemployment. So you have kind of economic factors being the bottom line. And what the Greens do really well on their website, if you read into, um, if you read further into their uh, policy platforms, is they really do I think have a much more biblical and robust vision for understanding that the health of a society can't simply be measured by, well, are people making more money or do they have more money in the bank or are there economic and are there more economic opportunities in front of them? Those are critically important, but there's also a mental well-being and, and the well-being that is more difficult to measure in terms of the strengthening of the social fabric and living in sustainable ways with the environment uh, around us, making decision, making decisions and advancing society along a more holistic, uh, using more holistic measures and evalu- evaluative um, markers is really important to the Greens. And certainly for me as a Christian, that stands out as a as a really noteworthy uh, distinctive to the Greens, to the Green Party. Okay, so what are the weaknesses? Uh, well, I'm going to show my hand here a little bit and say I think the weaknesses are pretty significant. If you don't know me very well, I would say I think in general I'm pretty centrist when it comes to a lot of policies. I can see good arguments on either side. I might lean slightly right of center on some issues, slightly left of center on another. But a huge weakness, I think, in the Greens is that um, they are so far ideologically left that uh, and that, you know, I, I just think that's a huge yellow and red flag. Uh, well, yellow for some, it's a red flag for me in terms of as, as something that acts as a, <laughs> I was going to say speed bump, maybe more than a speed bump. It acts as a huge, gives me huge pause before I consider moving forward. I'm a vision guy. I like big vision. I like hearing people's big ideas. But as I look into the details of the Greens platform, I'm, I'm not sure I see a plan that is uh, realistic, uh, to be frank. Um, one of the more controversial things that I might say about this is that I would argue that the Greens platform represents an idolatrous prioritization of the environment over Canadian citizens. By idolatrous prioritization, what I mean is in the Bible, there's this idea that idolatry is a commitment. We're giving priority to something uh, um, before you would give priority to God. So God should be our ultimate priority, second to God, seeking the well-being and flourishing of people. And I think what the Green Party does is elevate issues of the environment to an idolatrous standard where literally everything else in our society has to be radically reformed or potentially even eliminated and re-amended around the environment. Now, I understand the argument that's gonna say without an environment, we don't have (laughs) uh, human beings, but taking that kind of extreme uh, idea off the table, the role of the government 
is not to first and foremost, at a first priority, serve the needs of the environment, to serve the needs of the people, and to make sure that that's being done in an environmentally responsible way. And so I think the Greens go too far in making the need, the human, um, the prior, what I think the priority of the government should be, which is human flourishing holistically, which the Greens do talk about, but I think that comes as a secondary priority to the Greens and it's kind of all hands on deck, all things, no cost is too high by any means necessary, no measure is too extreme in order to avert the so-called climate crisis. So their plan is tremendously tremendously comprehensive. That is a strength, but I also see it as a weakness because the only way you're going to pull off this plan is by giving a huge amount of power to the government. So this plan requires a, a, um, a degree of government intervention and control that is, is probably difficult for us to wrap our heads around. And my question there as a Christian is, when has giving... When has given, when have governments who have used that kind of almost unilateral power and influence used it for the good of their people? There's a lot of progressive slash leftist ideology smuggled into the platform. Uh, maybe not sm- smuggled in, maybe that's not, not, not the right way to say it. Um, I say smuggled in because sometimes they talk about um, they, they make, I think, too close a connection between a climate response to cli- what they would say is the climate emergency and social justice. And I think those are two very distinct things, but they would almost conflate them in a lot of ways. I think when you're talking about lowering the voting age to 16, that to me is very unwise at best. And Um, intentionally manipulative and I would even argue exploitative at worst if anything the science of brain development should be should lead us to the conclusion that maybe the voting age is already too low at 18 so whenever a party uh, proposes lowering the vote the the voting age um, that to me is a is a real cause for concern and the other tell that really gave me concern is that in their uh, platform pillar of advancing the just society, which on the surface sounds awesome, their entire, I'm just gonna pull it up here, their entire plan and platform is focused almost exclusively on, is it fair to say almost? I'll, I'll go further. At least what they've published here is exclusively focused on women and advancing LGBTQI2 plus rights. Now, I don't think there's, you're going to find anybody in Canada who doesn't want to create a prosperous, fair, just society for women or for uh, members of the LGBTQ community. I think what's concerning to me, though, as a as a Christian, is that you have a party that's vying for political power for all of Canada. And I think very clearly is taken in by um, intersectional feminism. If you do a word search on this platform 
advancing the just society, men don't come up at all. Men aren't even mentioned, right? And so there's this implicit maybe signaling that like, well, men don't have any issues that the government needs to address. Men are doing fine. It's women and these uh, what might what some might call sexual minorities or gender minorities that require all the work. And that to me is a real, um, what's well, regrettable. I think it's, and I think for me, it just shows how deeply the Green Party has been, I would argue, poisoned by a kind of leftist progressive ideology. When you're unable to talk about what it means to advance a just society in a way that um, includes all Canadians, I think ideologically you are, you've jumped the shark and you are ideal, ideologically possessed by a worldview that doesn't allow you to bring the best policies for the ta- to the table for all Canadians. When you look at the green platform, it is a vision for heaven on, on earth, right? No, no student debt, uh, full pharmacare and dental care and healthcare for all Canadians, full reconciliation, perfect environmental, uh, harmonious, sustainable living. And to be frank, Christians should know better than to expect that, A, this side of heaven, and B, Christians should know better than to expect that a government entity is going to deliver that. I think there's a good biblical case that genuine change and transformation happens at the level of the individual and governments can play a role. But I think history and I think good theology, biblical theology would teach you that the role of government in advancing the common good is pretty limited. There can be some good incentives put in places. The government can create laws to abuse, to curtail some of the more uh, egregious human sin and vices that disrupt the social fabric like greed and economic exploitation, um, unlawful imprisonment, those kinds of things. But I think whenever you have a party and a platform that is essentially saying, give us power and we will just fix all of these problems. We have a plan to fix all of these problems. I mean, my question when I read the green platform is, if you honestly believe that you can create a kind of heaven and on earth, why hasn't any other political party done this then? Like, if it, like do you really think there has never been a political platform that has essentially promised all these things and has just been unable to do it? Like, is it just an issue of execution? Like you have a different kind of strategy. You have the, you have the same ideology. We can create a utopia. We just have a new strategy. That, that, that to me is an intellectually untenable position. And you certainly, I hope, wouldn't admit that, or wouldn't admit that you don't believe this has never been tried before, because it has under all kinds of different guises. And so, as a Christian, I really have a hesitancy whenever you have a governing power saying we have all the answers to the most pressing challenges facing our world and society. All you need to do is trust us with. Uh, the power that enables us to completely reform society along the lines that we see fit. I mean, 
if you say those things out loud and that sounds reasonable to you for a government to make that ask, I honestly think you need to have a gut check because that is incredibly, incredibly dangerous. Economically and logistically, I don't think the plan is viable. Again, it's very aspirational, inspirational in in some ways, but I think what they're seeking to do at an economic and logistical level is 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 not just unreasonable, but it's it's uh, it's anti reason. It 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 just is not going to happen. And I think whenever you have a platform that is so broad and sweeping and comprehensive and idealistic and utopian in its vision, and then your timeline isn't even like, hey, this is what we're planning to do over the next century. In many cases, it's this is what we're planning to do in the next ten years. Uh, that to me is a bit of a non-starter. Uh, change happens, change that actually is sustainable and is grassroots tends to be slow. And I hear the voices of someone who would say, we don't have time to be slow. The climate emergency, full on, all in, it has to be now. Uh, I would disagree with that premise and I, I hear that objection, but my point still remains is that you're not going to create a healthy, good, wise change where you can change some of these systems in a way that doesn't cause an unbelievable amount of disruption and human suffering without taking a long view, uh, much longer than a decade, and then really grappling with uh, kind of the law of unintended consequences and saying, do we really need to make these changes? And if so, have we honestly thought through the political, social, emotional, spiritual, ecological, economic ramifications of doing this on the timeline that we are proposing. So maybe I'm a political cynic. Uh, Maybe I don't have enough faith in government or in people, but part of my biblical worldview um, does challenge me to be suspicious of people who have an inflated sense of their own uh, competency and ability to bring about heaven on earth through uh, governmental regulations and direction. And so while I think the Greens platform is aspirational, I think it cuts cuts against the grain of economic common sense, logistical common sense, I would argue anthropological common sense, because I really think It is a platform that presumes um, a pretty high degree of uh, our ability uh, to intend the right things, to execute the right things. And and I wish that were the case across society, but um, my lived experience is such that, uh, that that isn't the case. So maybe I'll leave it there. This is hopefully gonna stir some Discussion between me and you, if we uh, connect, I'd like to um, talk further. And I should say that for that, any of you who are local and are in Nelson and want to follow up from any of these uh, party platform interactions, I'd love to do that. I always want to learn. I'm always interested in having my ideas sharpened. Um, so yeah, email any questions or follow up to disciple at gmail.com. And thanks for listening. And I don't know who we're going to do next. But looking like it's going to be the NDP next. So thanks for listening and we'll see you later.